Tech Fighter Worldwide. It's the High Tech Podcast in plain English with an hour's worth of news in about 20 minutes. That's because we leave out the commercials, the station breaks, the sports, and most of the jingles. Podcast number 518 for the 6th of November, 2016. If you're a creative in any sort of medium, Adobe wants you. Sometimes Windows users need to boot into safe mode, but getting there is more complicated than it used to be. In short circuits, Microsoft is unhappy that Google released information about an exploit that can be used against Windows users. Have you considered a career in the exciting field of COBOL programming? In spare parts, only on the website, one effect next week's election will have on Twitter. GM teams up with IBM to provide more functions and more distractions for drivers. And Kaspersky Lab says more cybercrime fighters are needed. I decided to call this segment Adobe Titans its grip on creatives. <laughs> that sounds pretty ominous, doesn't it? Creatives don't seem to mind much, though. Three upcoming new applications and improvements to existing applications were announced at Adobe's annual Max Conference in San Diego this week. They moved it to San Diego from Los Angeles, where it normally occurs. As you know, Adobe has products and services for nearly every category of artistic work, excepting maybe sculpture, on-canvas painting, and performance art. Anybody who works with words or sounds or images, whether they're still or in motion, will find useful applications in Adobe's Creative Cloud. The program attracts creatives from all over the world and features top-notch keynote addresses and other presentations. This year, those included writer and motion picture director Quentin Tarantino, fashion director Zach Posen, photographer Lindsay Adario, and sculptor Janet Eckelman. Three new design apps announced this year include Experience Design, XD, Project Felix, and Adobe Spark. Formerly called Project Comet, XD has been available in early beta for about a year, but only for Mac users. Now it'll be available in a Windows 10 version before the end of the year. Not quite out yet, though. XD is used to design and prototype websites and mobile apps, Adobe describes it as an all-in-one tool for user experience designers. XD was launched on the Mac so that Adobe's software engineers could concentrate on a single interface initially. The design process is faster and better if the developers don't have to worry about matching functionality across two platforms during initial design. The objective was to start on one platform, then port the application to the other. It's now time to do that, and XD will be available on Windows sometime in the next few weeks. Project Felix will probably be renamed by this time next year. The fact that it has a Project badge indicates that it's a beta application. The Creative Cloud concept makes experimental applications available to users so that the users can provide feedback during the initial development process. This is an advantage both for the developers, because they better understand what users want, 
and also for users because the developers are able to respond to recommendations and requests that they make. Felix is intended to combine 2D and 3D objects in a way that makes it possible for people who understand two-dimensional design to work in three-dimensional design. The beta application includes a starter library of models, materials, and lights. It also incorporates what Adobe calls machine learning to perform tasks such as lighting and conforming an image to the horizon line. Adobe Spark, which is currently available for free, will have enhanced features that will be available only to paid Creative Cloud members. That will include the ability to remove Adobe's branding from finished products. Spark can be used to create social media posts, stories for websites, and short animated videos. It's been available for mobile use on Apple devices, but now it's also featured as an Android app. You can check it out at spark.adobe.com. There's a link from the TechBiter Worldwide website. Users do need an Adobe account. That can be a paid Creative Cloud account or a free account. Or you can log in with Facebook or Google account credentials. I think this is going to be a very popular app with Creative Cloud users, particularly now that the Adobe logo can be removed. All of Adobe's mobile apps now work across both iOS and Android devices. That includes Sketch, Comp, and Fix, some of which were previously limited to Apple's devices. And there's Project Nimbus. Think Curveball, Left Field. Where the heck did that come from? If you check out the TechBiter Worldwide website, you'll see a photo from Max. And up there on the screen is Nimbus, little icon over on the far right. Well, Felix and Nimbus are still projects, meaning they're not yet considered ready for prime time. Nimbus is intended to work with the rest of Adobe's applications. It's a cloud-based photo editor that's similar to Lightroom. Nimbus isn't yet even in public preview, but a beta will be out in 2017. Adobe's goal for Nimbus is to allow users to seamlessly move between desktop and mobile applications with ease. All of the current Creative Cloud applications have received updates, particularly the video-centric apps. After Effects gets a new 3D rendering engine that makes it possible to create extruded text effects, and rendering times have also been improved. Dreamweaver gets a new interface and the underlying coding engine has been improved. Adobe always highlights its JDI features at max, too. JDI stands for Just Do It. The intent is to make it possible for designers to take the initiative on small features that don't take a lot of time to implement or test and seem like an obvious improvement. When these are identified, the developers just do it. This year, there are more than 80 JDI features spread across the Creative Cloud applications. The Typekit function is expanding with 6,000 new typefaces for more than 20 foundries. These typefaces, though, are not included without additional charge for Creative Cloud users. Instead, they need to be licensed separately as part of the Typekit Marketplace, another new function. And Adobe Stock gets an update from Reuters. Creative Cloud users will be able to select, pay for, and download Reuters video and photography via Adobe Stock. This includes Reuters news, sports, and entertainment photos, and Reuters video with new and historical footage. The number of news clips available estimated currently to be well over one million.
F8? Well, safe mode is no longer your F8. Fate. F8, fate. Get it? It's sort of like a joke. You know, in the old days, you could press F8 during the boot process. That would present a screen that would permit switching to safe mode. It's handy when you're trying to work out a problem. So I should just shut up about F8 and fate and get on with it? All right. If you've tried F8 on a Windows 10 machine, you will already have discovered that it does not work. Microsoft says that's because the speed of the boot process, at least on machines with a unified extensible firmware interface, would be so fast that users wouldn't be able to press the key fast enough. So now you've got two options. First, if the computer fails to start properly on several consecutive attempts, safe mode will be offered automatically. In my testing, this seems that after two failed boot attempts, you will get the option to boot into safe mode on the third attempt. Or if the machine already boots properly but you're seeing some strange behavior, you can use settings to enable safe mode on the next boot. So let's take a brief tour to talk about safe mode. Safe mode's a diagnostic tool. It disables all but the most essential services. Mac OS calls it safe boot. Linux calls it single user mode. Safe mode provides access to utility and diagnostic programs that allow a user to troubleshoot problems. Safe mode loads a minimal number of executable modules, disables all devices except those needed to accept input and provide output. Windows users can choose to boot with the recovery console if they want. If you have a Windows 10 computer that's unable to boot normally, you should eventually see that screen that offers you safe mode. If you're using a notebook computer that has external monitors, be sure you open the notebook and use the built-in screen for that initial process. You won't see anything on the external monitors. On the other hand, though, if you want to start safe mode even though the computer has been booting properly, you'll need to visit Settings. But before you go there, be sure you've saved any open files and closed all applications because you're going to reboot the machine. Select Update and Security from the Settings menu. That'll open a window with a lot of options. You'll see an image on the TechBiter Worldwide website. Choose the Recovery tab. This opens yet another window with another bunch of options. Click Restart Now. You may think this is the same thing as choosing Restart from the Start menu. It's not. If you choose Restart in the Start menu, the computer will just restart. Making the selection from Update and Security in the Settings section changes what happens. During the boot process, you'll see a blue screen with the words Choose an Option at the top. The choices are Continue, Use a Device, Troubleshoot, and Turn Off Your PC. You want the Troubleshoot button. Troubleshoot has just two options, Reset This PC and Advanced Options. Take the Advanced Options. All right, now we're getting somewhere. Advanced Options has several more choices. First is System Restore. You would choose that if you want to use a restore point to eliminate all changes after a certain date. Note, though, that there are easier ways to get to that function from inside Windows. The second option is System Image Recovery. This would allow you to use a specific disk image to restore Windows on the computer. You probably don't want that. Third is Startup Repair. This is an option that can help the user troubleshoot some startup problems. Microsoft has some built-in diagnostics here. Fourth is Command Prompt. This is essentially the DOS prompt, although of course it is more powerful now, and it is called the Command Prompt. 
Power users may want this. If you're not a power user, you probably don't. Fifth is Unified Extensible Firmware Interface Firmware Settings. If you know how and why to change those settings, it's probably better to do so by using the computer's built-in BIOS utility instead of doing it here. And finally, Startup Settings. At the bottom, number six, that's the one you want. The button is in the lower right corner. In the lower left corner, you'll see See More Recovery Options. Let's not go there right now. Just click Startup Settings. The Startup Settings menu lists several actions that you might want to take, but offers no obvious way to choose. A Restart button will be in the lower right corner, so you want to click that. The computer will restart, and this time you will see a list of nine more options. You want option number four, Safe Mode, or number five, Safe Mode with Networking, or number six, Safe Mode with Command Prompt. Option 5 will start the computer in safe mode, but with network access enabled. That's usually the most helpful, unless you have another computer nearby that you want to use for the troubleshooting assistance. Wow. In an ideal world, we'd never need to use safe mode. But perhaps you've noticed, we don't seem to be living in an ideal world. short circuits, Microsoft is unhappy. This week, Google released details about a zero-day exploit that affects Windows users, and Microsoft is not happy about the disclosure. But Google's policy gives vendors 60 days to patch critical vulnerabilities and seven days to report on critical flaws under active exploitation. Microsoft says it will patch this issue within a week. According to Microsoft, a Russian crime group known for deploying advanced persistent threat applications is the source. The group, Sophocy, is believed to have links to the GRU, the Russian Main Intelligence Directorate. It's the military's intelligence arm. Microsoft said the zero-day vulnerability will be patched on the 8th of November. Google privately disclosed both threats, which it said had been used in tandem in unspecified targeted attacks. Google did not specify whether the attacks were successful, and Microsoft criticized Google for releasing the information early. If you'd like to read Microsoft's full take on the issue, there's a link on the TechBiter Worldwide website to Terry Meyerson's blog. Meyerson, who is Microsoft's Executive Vice President of Windows and Devices, said the disclosure should have been coordinated with Microsoft. Google's decision to disclose those vulnerabilities before patches are broadly available and tested is disappointing, he said, and it puts customers at increased risk. Microsoft is coordinating with Google and Adobe on the patch, which is now being tested. It'll be part of the standard Patch Tuesday release for November. That's this coming Tuesday, Election Day. Microsoft says the attacks are being used in a low-volume spear phishing campaign. Now, low-volume typically also means high-value. Sophocy typically goes after government agencies, defense contractors, research labs, and military organizations. 
According to Microsoft, the component targeted in the attacks was updated recently so that the exploits will have less chance of success. And Meyerson also pointed out that the Edge browser, available only to Windows 10 users, would protect already against both threats. one of the first high-level programming languages. Perhaps you've heard of it. If so, you may think that the language was retired decades ago. But it still exists, and a Swedish company says that COBOL programmers are in demand. First, a little bit of history here. COBOL, Common Business-Oriented Language. It's a compiled English-like computer programming language designed for business use. In the 1960s, those of us who wanted to learn about computers learned COBOL and FORTRAN. Both were developed in the 1950s, and FORTRAN, formula translation is what it stood for, was primarily intended for scientific and engineering applications. COBOL is a procedural language. It was modified around 2002 to be object-oriented. COBOL is still used in business, finance, and administrative systems, particularly in legacy applications on mainframe computers. Programs are being migrated to other platforms because of the shortage of programmers who are familiar with COBOL. Now, hold that thought. We'll come back to it in a moment. COBOL was designed in 1959 by the Committee on Data Systems Languages, part of the U.S. Department of Defense effort to create a portable programming language for data processing. The Navy's Grace Hopper led the project and found the very first computer bug. It was a moth. COBOL was intended to be a stopgap application. Some stopgap. It's still here, almost 60 years later. And that's why a Swedish company called No Common People has developed a program to train COBOL programmers. The company's president, Tommy Smiderstam, says the industry needs COBOL programmers and his four-part training program can prepare people for work in the glamorous world of COBOL. Okay, Smiderstam didn't say anything about glamorous. I added that on my own. No Common People has developed the program in collaboration with Learning Tree International. Each of the four parts is independent of the others, if you have the right prior knowledge. It's intended to take about three months to complete. The interest in COBOL has escalated because it continues to live particularly in the banking world. This fact will probably surprise you. An estimated 80% of the world's business transactions are processed by COBOL systems. Registration is open, and there is detailed information about the COBOL courses on the No Common People website. There's a link from the TechBinder Worldwide website. The only shortcoming is that most of the site is written in Swedish. Spare Parts, however, is written entirely in English. It's available only on the TechBiter Worldwide website. This week, one effect next week's election will have on Twitter. GM teams up with IBM to provide more functions and more distractions for drivers. And Kaspersky Lab says more cybercrime fighters are needed. Thanks for listening to TechBiter Worldwide the podcast with an hour's worth of technology news in about 20 minutes. I'm Bill Blinn. 
be sure to check out the website www.techbiter.com. And if you like, send me an email from there. See you next week.